Picture this. The year is 1777. You're at the Chateau of Versailles, just a few clicks away from Gay Paris. In the next room sits Queen Marie Antoinette and her boring-as-fuck husband, King Louis XVI. You're about to meet them. It's not the first time you've met royalty. That is not the issue. The issue is that for the first 50 years of your life, you've been Charles Dion, a spy, soldier, and diplomat, and a damn good one at that. But, ladies and gentlemen, today is different. Today is a challenge because for the first time in your life, you'll present to the king and queen as Charlotte, not Charles. This, my friends, is the story of Mademoiselle Dion, who publicly transitioned her gender 250 years ago. This brave, brilliant figure, who was assigned male at birth, was genuine in her desire to live as a woman. But she had no idea that doing so would force her to live with all of the indignities of womanhood in 18th century France. Now, get your speedos on and come in. The water's human temperature. How was that? Beautiful, Donna. Really moved me. Two notes. First, don't ever do that again. Second, do something infinitely better. Okay. Does that help? Uh... <laughs> Ourselves tonight, I cover all the things that's still a mystery. Cause if you think you know, you don't know around the world, we go, 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 go. Time to blow your mind with historical homos, historical homos, historical homos. All right, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Historical Homos. I'm Donald Brophy. And I'm Bash. So excited to talk about this figure today. It's a real doozy. The Chevalier Deon was one of the most famous figures in the 18th century. Really had a crazy life. Spy, soldier, trans woman. It's a complicated story. It's confusing. They made up a lot of shit about their life later on after they had transitioned to becoming a woman. So maybe first a little bit of context, though, on like where we are in the world. 18th century France, things are, it's full of scammers, full of intrigues, lots of people, you know, trying to get their own, get money, get position at Versailles, lots of people who are trying to move up the social ladder in one way or another. Don't you just absolutely love this particular period, though, in general? I was I'm so obsessed excited with it. for this, for this little kind of trip today, because it's such an interesting time in French history, but also human history. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of new ideas. 
science for once is happening. And it's a big century for women. There are a lot of women in power, Madame de Pompadour, and you will be hearing my most obnoxious French accent for the remainder of this episode. You're welcome. Madame de Pompadour, she is the mistress of King Louis XV. She is basically running the show while Louis is whoring and boozing. And She's the Kardashian mom of the whole situation. She's the momager of the yeah. whole situation. And there's Empress Elizabeth running Russia and later Catherine the Great. There's Maria Theresa, mother of Marie Antoinette, who's running Austria. So women are in power. And that's mm. actually giving all the men in society a bit of anxiety. Right. And, and would you say the zeitgeist is edging? Can I explain myself a little bit? <laughs> please please say me, more. I have a theory on, on this particular period and how humanity is just about to bust a nut, right? I'll, give, give me an ex- I'll tell you what. Because we're literally on the cusp of the French Revolution. You know, like in the greater scheme of things. Yeah. We've got 15, 20 years. Give, 40, give, 40 give years or take 40 give years. Give or take 40, 40 years. And the American War of Independence is just about to bust its nut. And so all of this kind of enlightenment kind of like thought is about to enter, entrer. Can I try the French accent? No. No. Um, uh, it's supposed to enter uh, stage left. <laughs> anyway, enough of that theory. Carry yeah, on, Bash. No, but you're right. It's, uh, you things know? are coming to a head. Right. More, more dick words. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that actually does play out in gender issues as well. So women are becoming more powerful, but by the same token, men seem to be becoming more womanly. A lot of gender bending going on. Yeah, but like it's sort of it's subtle. It's gender bending light. Like there's nothing subtle about a powdered wig and a face of lead makeup, <laughs> darling. Minus the makeup and the wig, <laughs> but the the jacket sort of dresses that they're wearing. I always think of that, you know, because sure. they they it starts to almost look like the silhouette of a skirt. And so it's things like that where you can see that for aristocratic men at least mm. they are definitely not you know, the sort of swashbuckling swords, car- sword-carrying people that they were in, like, the 1500s or whatever. So life is changing. Dayon is probably... Dayon is a very active intellectual. This is the Enlightenment. Lots of new ideas about what women can do. And Dayon is very involved in that discourse and that debate. Mm. So the other thing about Dayon is that she's living in this... And we're going to use he, she, they throughout because Dayon used he and she throughout their lives at at, throughout their life at different points but the interesting thing about the 18th century is there are also a bunch of precedents for women who dress as men and try to live as as the opposite gender so you have these sort of female husbands in the 18th and 19th century who dress as men marry typically in like small little bumblefuck villages somewhere you know in germany or whatever and some of them get caught some of them get punished but some of them also just lead fabulous lives like in domestic bliss with one another and then of course there was joan of arc who was the big precedent mm. for a girly dressing up as a boy and going off the to patron work. saint of non-binary or you know yeah uh, yeah essentially she's kind definitely. of definitely i mean growing up catholic myself i always thought john of arc and saint sebastian were almost thank like you the paint i know i didn't want to leave in that fear um we're almost like the patron saints of of the lgbt kind of community essentially yeah we have to do an episode on saint sebastian absolutely so hot yeah penetrated by all those arrows so there's no Halloween costume. You could probably Google Sebastian Hendra Halloween. Oh yeah, we'll every so, year Saint Sebastian. So <laughs> every day I'm Saint Sebastian. So we have the female husbands. We have Joan of Arc. We also have a woman named Hannah Snell and some pirates who uh, dress as men and go off and fight in the navy on ships. You know, so women are kind of getting out there and doing their thing in very interesting, different yeah. ways. At one, the 
Back to the Chevalier Dion. Oh, wait, I have to do my most obnoxious accent for his full name, which is Charles Geneviève Louis Auguste André Timothée Dion de Beaumont. You like that? That's more than a double barrel name. That's a. Yeah, yeah, that really tickles. Quadruple, duple, double. (laughs) Carry on. No, it's good. You're good with numbers. <laughs> so Cheval- the Chevalier Deon is actually not born the Chevalier Deon. Um, he's born just regular Deon. And 1728, low-ranking noble family, so he has to work for his keep, which is Ugh. very gauche, but has to happen. He's kind of a sickly, shy child who's really into books, mm. basically me. And he has to. He doesn't really have any girlfriends or boyfriends. You know, it's kind of like a sad, lonely childhood for Dayon. Uh, He's also born in Burgundy, which becomes important because Burgundy is big wine country. So he's going to use that to his advantage when he becomes a spy and has to, you know, um, what's the word? Bribe people Mm. with wine and trinkets and gifts and stuff like that. But yeah, so he has this kind of sad, lonely, boring childhood. He becomes a really good fencer and a really good student, moves to Paris, Whips out Grinder and gets on Grinder for what we all do on Grinder, which is what? Uh, networking. Networking. Uh, so he's having a fabulous time and he writes a book on public finance that for some reason makes him That's so random really that famous. That's a book on public finance yeah. just came this, out. Uh, this nowhere. episode really isn't starting out well with this figure who writes about public finance and never has sex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess it's exciting that they moved to Paris and stepped off the Greyhound bus and just swang around. Yeah, but it's like, dip your wick, honey. Like, Paris is fun at this time. Like, lots of shit is going on. Yeah. Lots of parties. So he quickly meets, because of this public finance book that just rocks everybody's socks, he meets the Prince de Conti, which in English is pronounced the Prince of Conti. Okay. I like to imagine him with just sort of a undulating flaps, yeah. clam head. kind of a vibe, like a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Conti is this really big deal because he's the king's cousin. The Prince of Conti is the prince. The Prince of Conti is King Louis's cousin. So he's already a big deal in Paris, in Versailles, and he becomes Deon's patron. That's kind of how life works for the aristocrats at this point. Whoever Whoever's a bigger fish than you helps you climb the latter. So Deon actually meets the king at a drag masquerade ball, which is something that the 18th century French, 18th century Europeans in general love to do, yeah. where everybody shows up in the opposite gender. So Deon goes, and he's already kind of a slender little man, and also has a very high-pitched voice, naturally. So he meets the king in drag, and the king is, like, really into him and wants to make out with him. Wow. So he, at some point, utters those famous words of, can we go somewhere private and talk? And then they go to this, like, little room wherever the king does his stripping, and then Dayon is like, I'm actually a boy. Incredible impression. And the king thinks it's hilarious, and is like, oh, my God, how funny that you actually have a penis when I thought you had a vagina. So they become best friends over that. And the king is like, hey, do you want to come work for me? And the way, and he wants him to work for him specifically as a spy. That's a pretty meteoric rise, wouldn't you say? Like, I mean, yeah, he's like 24. On the social social ladder, like, you know, provincial, you know, aristocratic kind of like has to do the actual grape crushing kind of like son of a bitch. Yeah. And then literally, writes the book on finance, nerd alert, meets the fucking Prince of Conti. Next thing you know, King's trying to, you know, bend him over the goddamn, you know, four-poster bed. 
Anyway, just no. thought I'd make a note of that. No. She's not a social climber, she's a social mountaineer, but sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love that. No, she is. She uh, he, the Dayon moves quickly, right? And so they're, they're only in their early twenties at this point. This has been very charming, you know. Yes, but, definitely, yeah. and and also good at improv. I think you know to yeah. be able to play along with that whole thing and act. And I think I would imagine there'll be a lot of people trying to get into the, you know, the king's pants, the king, the king's codpiece or whatever. <laughs> That's a. And this is good old King Louis the Fourteenth, right? No, Louis the Fifteenth. Louis the Fifteenth. Who was Fifteenth? Yeah, who was. One of the long, he was the longest reigning monarch in, in French history, wasn't he? Yeah, so long, like, long ass time because yeah, he was. He, was king. he the Sun King? No, Louis no. the Fourteenth is the Sun King. Okay, right. Yes. I digress. Go ahead. Yeah, that's okay. I'm here to help. I'm here you to know, help. Man of the Iron Mask was one of my favorite books around that yeah. time. Oh my yeah. god, I love that movie. My favorite childhood movie. Yeah. So yeah. Dayon gets hired as a spy. Probably because they're really good at right. this improv, you know, and playing uh, along and acting. Good casting. Yeah. And so Dayon's first mission becomes going to Russia to help secure a treaty between Russia and France. Right. Because the king's secret service, there's no like central intelligence agency, you know, there's no CIA, there's no FBI. The king just has his private network of spies like every other aristocrat has. Right. So, Dayon's in a good one. He's in the most prestigious one. But the whole point of the king's secret network at this point is to get Kunti on the Polish throne. Of course, Kunti wants to be the king of Poland. Kunti wants a throne because he's tired of being, you know, second wheel, third wheel, whatever. Yeah. You, what's that thing? And called? at the time, you know, um, Poland was like a uh, uh, like a puppet state, wasn't it? Like it oscillated between. It's not a hereditary monarchy, so yeah. all of these different bigger powers vie to put someone from their camp on the throne, so that they can have yeah some yeah. influence in that buffer state. So France wants Kunti on the throne, so that they can control Poland and you know all of that, and be closer to Russia and stick it in Britain's face. Mm. So Dayon, it's it's a big job. It's a it's a big important yeah, job. Dayon so. goes over. They later tell us this very tall tale in their autobiography about going over as a woman, as a noble woman named Leah de Beauvon. And the whole point there is that they're- Oh, so wait, Dayon goes to Russia presenting as a French noble woman? Well, this is what Dayon tells us later in life. Uh, okay. The reality is they probably went as a man, but because the, the, the tall tale is just a little too tall. Mm. The, whole, the whole thing is about how Leah apparently was going to be the, this French noblewoman who was a French tutor to Empress Elizabeth, helping her with her, her French so that she could write to Louis better. Which is in itself a little suspect, right? Because French was the official language of the Russian court at the time. Exactly. It doesn't really yeah. make sense. Lies! Lies. Absolute lies. But Dayon does... <laughs> we're like really suspicious of all the historical gays. We're like, hmm... <laughs> fucking lying well, bitch. No, this one is a lying bitch. Like, oh, for we know sure. that for sure. Dayon De makes up a ton of shit about her life. Okay. And I'll explain why. If you stop interrupting me. <laughs> no. Okay, so Dayon goes over and has to impersonate the apparently uh, a woman to get past the Austrian border. All of that's not really true. But they eventually get to Russia and they do actually do a great job with Elizabeth and all of these Russian nobles. They get her to sign treaty. Dayon really loved, yeah, Dayon loved Russia and was very impressed with all of the women there. There and how involved they were in politics and stuff like that. So Dayon uh, presumably sends over a bunch of his burgundy wine to all of these Russian nobles. They love him immediately, and that really helps him get access to Elizabeth. So he figures all that out, does a great job. Elizabeth signs the treaty. 
Dayon literally takes the treaty and rides all the way back to France and delivers it into Louis's hands. This is so directly. dramatic and so gay. I know. Something like we ve- said, it's so gay to have energy. There's something very gay about it. He, he, he must have had a lot of iced coffee to yeah. ride that probably hard. On the, probably on the Colombian marching powder, you know? <laughs> what was that thing that um, Hitler's soldiers used? Oh, yeah, meth. Oh, right, just Did meth. Did you read that book, Blitz? Right. Meth. <laughs> meth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> From top to bottom. Yeah, no, there's an amazing book, Blitz, about the, the whole, not just the army, the whole of Germany was methed yeah. out during So Dayon pulls a big blitz, <laughs> a big methed out blitz, yeah. rushes back to France, hands the treaty over, and Louis is like, give you whatever you want. You're doing great, sweetie. And Louis just gagged at this point, right? Because he's like, this one that he came out it. of nowhere just got... Cunt face on the throne of Poland, <laughs> you know the the uh, Empress of Russia is like job sassed. Um, anyway, so like yeah. killing it again, and only still probably early thirties at this point. Uh, yes, it's like the early seventeen fifties right now. Um, right. So she he gets back, and Dayon asks to be put in the military because he's done diplomacy, doesn't want to go into the church, and the military is the only other thing that aristocrats do. So he gets made captain of dragoons. Dragoons, which is a very, a very drag sounding thing, actually. Yeah, dragoons. Were they, weren't they like ninjas? They could, they could horse ride. They could swashbuckle. They could fight hand to hand. They could fly across the room. I'm not like, sure you remember exactly what a ninja is, but the dragoons were half cavalry, half infantry. Right. They were. Right. They were kind of made. They were an elite force. Yeah. They were, yeah. they were jumping on and off the horses in the battle, like and they running had big, around. big, like, floppy hats that tied up one side and massive feathers on the other side. Yeah, yeah. It's very queer. It's, it's very, very queer. Cool. Anyway. So, and Dayon distinguishes himself quite quickly in battle. Uh, there's some big scene where the French have lost ammunition and supplies, and it's across the field, and they can't get to it because there's gunfire. And the commander is like, fuck it. Like, we, we'll get more stuff. And Dayon is like, no, I'll go get it. So he runs across back and forth and eventually gets the equivalent of a Purple Heart for his bravery oh, did, in this, did, did, in this did, escapade. It's kind of an Indiana Jones move. Actually, yeah, it's important. It's called um, the Croix Saint-Louis, a St. Louis cross. And it's uh, it's the one thing that Dayon will get to keep wearing after they transition. Which is in that beautiful portrait, which we'll talk about later. Yes, absolutely. So they have this good military career in as captain of dragoons and then the war kind of ends terribly for france for france because this is the seven years war this is the seven years yeah. war yes which is kind of the first global conflict for europe because they're all fighting about their colonies and france comes off terribly they lose canada you know and just that little thing and all of and a bunch of other colonies so now louis calls on dayon and is like i need you to go be my ambassador to london and help negotiate all for me big job be, exactly One so of the most he, important jobs around i would imagine yeah if the if the point of it is to save the colonialists the pigs their empire yeah um dayon acquits himself very well on this adventure he goes over with the acting ambassador to london and actually, there's a ma- an amazing story where they meet this guy named Mr. Wood, who is the British diplomat. And has the gayest name of all time. Mr. Wood. So Dayon and this other ambassador guy meet Mr. Wood. Dayon gets them drunk with a bunch of burgundy wine. This is just carrying around this burgundy wine everywhere. Delicious goes, vintage. This is from my family's vineyard. It's kind of a pimp move. Absolutely, like, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Mr. Wood gets drunk with the other diplomat. They're off making out in the corner doing karaoke or whatever. And Dayon swipes all of 
Mr. Woods documents and goes into the other room and copies them all down. And it's full of all of the con concessions that the British are willing to make in the negotiations. Right, because so, karaoke songs la lasted at, at least 20 minutes at the time. Yeah, they? It, they actually sang a full Catholic mass <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> Drug with their arms around each other. <laughs> so Dayon, this little conniving bitch, figures it out, hands again something directly into Louis, King Louis' hands that's amazingly valuable, and it really helps them in the negotiation. I think France gets to keep a bunch of their slavery-operated colonies. So whoopee for France. Right. Um, fucking bastards. But anyway, Dayon does a good job. Good for our girly, Dayon, who is now going to live the high life in London as acting ambassador, effectively. Yeah. So they're running around, going to all these fabulous dinner parties, spending a ton of money of the, from the French government, of course, and doing quite a good job. And there's, there's a twist here, because Louis secretly writes to Dayon in his own hand, a handwritten letter from the king, saying, hey, buddy, can you do some reconnaissance and look around the southeastern coast of England and just see where we might be able to plan a little revenge invasion? Because he's really salty about the British doing so well. Right. And so he literally writes this incredibly incriminating letter. If anyone saw this letter, it would be grounds for war, right? right. For the Again, British to go to war. like extreme trust in Dayon. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and it also gives Dayon a big head because Dayon thinks the king's asking me for personal favors, basically. Yeah. You know? So that becomes really important because it gives Dayon a huge bargaining chip, right? And Ah, the letter that is. The letter, right. The, le oh. the letter is basically Dayon's uh, guarantee that the French government can't fuck with him. Yeah. Because it's what so... What a fool the French king was. I mean... A fool! Literally, that's why Madame de Pompadour was running shit. Of course. He was an absolute moron. Dayon is planning this invasion. He thinks he's working for the king. And then suddenly the French government are like, you're spending too much money, buddy. It's time to come home. Ah, and what? Excuse me, now I have to put a pin in it there for one second. <laughs> what was this crazy silhouette of a, of a person spending all their money on at this time? What does one spend the money on? What kind of well, drugs? <laughs> what kind of music? <laughs> Well, first of all, they have to ship all the wine over from Burgundy. For all the bribes. Secondly... Well, she can build that to Versailles. So that's She not, is, yeah. Right? She's, billing, tax she, right she's billing everything to Versailles. She's billing everything to fucking Versailles. That's the problem. The French government is like, stop spending all this okay. money. So there, she, she's live, he is living an incredibly high life. They also have to entertain all of the British diplomats. Right, some oh, yeah. gorgeous like townhouse in Mayfair, I would imagine. Um, also a beautiful house. They, yeah. You know... They are also buying books, living their life. Right, you know? and books at the time were really, were quite expensive, weren't they? Like, I yeah. mean, just to buy a book would be probably around Yeah, like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're very expensive. They're only for the rich. So Dayon is basically flabbergasted when suddenly the French government is like, you're being a dick and you're coming home. So Dayon gets uh, this letter from the Comte de Guerchy, who's going to be the new, and who was the, the commander in the battlefield, actually, where Dayon Oh, the had cowardly one that wants yeah. to leave all the ammo on the thing. Yeah. So Dayon had already showed him up a little bit. And so now he's coming in and he's going to be the ambassador. to grind. And he's, he's like more of a, no, he's more noble. He's higher up. He's more him. of a tough than, than, than they are as well. Right. So, yeah. so that kind of rankles Dayon because Dayon is like, I'm doing a great job. I'm young, dumb, full of cum. Like doing. Right. Now that you say young, dumb and full of cum and it, it just begs the question. 
where is the romantic partner in all this? From what we can tell, there's nothing. Like they, wow. they just seem to have no romantic ties. What, what a flair for you know, like the storytelling and all the rest of it. There's absolutely no romantic partner at all. I think they they might have been asexual. Like they might have been actually like clinically asexual. Yeah. But there was one story, and there are some later stories where there are apparent flirtations after they transition. But okay, there was one story about some princess in Russia who apparently put the moves on him back oh. then. But it's not; it doesn't seem possible because she was some like feral princess. Some fer- no, she was like eleven years old or something. So, feral, and she writes she writes about it like in her memoirs, and it's like, honey, you're oh. embarrassing yourself. <laughs> so Dayon is an asexual king, just oh. not interested in any of that. Copy that. Okay, and it's a shame really. Some there were a lot to give. Yeah, uh. no, absolutely. And, but they, they basically get hounded by the French government to hand everything over, to give back the documents, to vacate the premises and go back to France. Now and tell me that they keep the letter, the incriminating letter. Of course. So Dayon is like, uh-uh, sweetie, I'm going to publish all of this shit Bam. and not send it back to you unless you give me my money and let me keep my job. See, this is why gay people are just, just yeah. genuinely smart. This is why queer people get things done. Yes. Because we're Black conniving <laughs> horrible black cards individuals. Blackmail. So Dayon makes good on this promise, and it's actually a big scandal because they publish all of this state correspondence, wow. all of these private letters. The Comte de Guerchy, the his nemesis, looks comes off looking very bad in all of it. Because he didn't handle the situation at all. Yeah, because he can't do anything. He tries to get the British to extradite Dayon. He tries to get Dayon poisoned. He tries to kill Dayon, apparently, according to Dayon. Dayon's a bit of a drama Oh, yeah, queen. again, sorry. I was on the edge of my seat there, but I remember it's according to that one. Right, yeah. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. But they were definitely trying to do some yeah. shady shit to get Dayon you know, out of, out of the house. But Dayon publishes all this stuff, is able to negotiate a deal with Louis, who's like, he's basically more valuable to me over there than he is here. So let him stay there and continue to be an informant in Britain. And he, of course, still has this letter. So De- so Louis has to keep him happy. And Dayon basically gets like 12,000 pounds a year or something to do fuck all. And just for you know perspective, you could rent a 350 pound house in central London, a nice mm. house at the time, a year. So Dayon comes off perfectly in right. this. But the one bad thing is that they kind of cut their career short. And that because they can't really work officially as uh, in government as a diplomat anymore after they've done this. It, it was effectively treason, yeah. you know, to, to publish but all they, this stuff. But they still have the allowance and, and, and the house in Mayfair. Perfect place to do a little meth from and just plan another invasion of Britain. Yeah. Act two, Mademoiselle Dayon is born. Actually, Dayon has a very sort of difficult time in this period because there are a bunch of lawsuits for libel and slander after all of this, uh, all of these publications. But the most interesting thing that happens is that in the early 1770s, rumors begin to circulate that Dayon may in fact be a woman. Okay. Dun, dun. And it gets to such a point that people are making public bets about Dayon's gender, which apparently was sort of a thing. There was another woman named Catherine Macaulay who was a historian, and because she wrote history, everyone in London was like, well, she must be a man if she writes so well. Mm. And so they actually started making bets about her being a man as and well. And it wouldn't be that difficult, really, at the time if you were like a, you know, uh, to to present as like a slider man. Be... I think it's a pretty big acting challenge. Yeah. But they, uh, they, Dayon figures it out. So this is what we don't understand, is where did that rumor start? And why? And it seems to most scholars that Dayon probably started it themselves. 
And and the, then you have to explain. I reckon that. the Kardashian mom started the Pompadour. I bet you she started that rumor because <laughs> she's playing three dimensional chess. You know what I mean? She's like, how do I kind of start to fucking you know poison the well a little bit with Diana? That would be possible. If, interesting. I know it's fun to think about. If not when, for the fact that she was absolutely dead by that point. Oh, from the grave. <laughs> she's hooted from the grave. <laughs> But Carry on spreading rumors. How dare hell. you? Don't question me. <laughs> so Dayon is apparently spreading these rumors that they're a woman, and we have to ask ourselves why. Theory one is that they thought that maybe by becoming a woman, they would be forgiven by the French government and able to come back home. But that doesn't really make any sense because there were tons of other people living in exile, and they never really pulled anything like this. And like you know, it's it's such a crazy chess game to to imagine like pulling that off yeah. and then that allowing you to come home. The other theory is that Dayon was out of money and we know that homegirl did like to spend. Mm. So maybe they were placing these bets. The, the bets are on the London Stock Exchange, basically. It's all of these bankers like in the pubs around the London Stock Exchange who are placing bets on whether Dayon has a vagina or a penis. Like it's absolutely insane. And Dayon even runs into one of these pubs one day with their sword. Stop and it! And it's like, Stop that! Stop talking about me! Yeah, and that doesn't do anything to. Very famous though. I mean, like I'm kind of struck by kind of like how kind of like famous they've become. You know, in the in the just the, the with the general populace and stuff like that. No? Well, after they published all of that state correspondence mm. and stuff, Dayon kind of became became an international celebrity in France, in England, in America. Because it, that had never been done before. Like nobody had. This is also the the, the century of journalism. Right. Yeah. It's almost like the start of the internet a little bit, right? Kind of in terms yeah, of like minus mass, the, minus the internet part. Minus but. the internet. But you know, I'm kind of interested. You know, it kind of interests me though when when there is a giant leap in mass communication amongst humankind. Yeah. How these kind of like you'd say how we're still managing to kind of understand the internet and the, and the pitfalls we've learned that exist therein. But when the printing press came and I, and start reading tabloids back then and people were there was like probably a thousand newspapers like printing in New York and London and all the rest of all the time. Well in this time. century there are yeah, yeah. that things so it's really kind of up. like it's not the same but it's kind of like the common man has access to a lot more information than they previously exactly. had. So they become fascinated with characters like Dion, you know? Information moves much faster and it moves globally too, right? right? You can ship these pamphlets over to the Americas and stuff like that. Like a sheep farmer in Australia could be, you know, putting placing a bet on whether Dion <laughs> right. is in fact a man or a woman. Fuck your sheep, read the newspaper. Arrives into a pub and was like, stop betting on whether or not I'm yeah, so this <laughs> is this is the second theory that they're basically trying to drive up the bets about uh, their, uh, well, their that would make gender. sense because, you know. It makes sense. But again, it's sort of like, how would you know that people would care that much, that they would be that into it? I mean, it could be. It could be. But the one part that doesn't make sense for me with that theory is that Dayon continued being a woman for their entire lives. Like, well past the French Revolution, mm. well past all of these bets went away. There was no reason, really, to continue mm. doing that. Probably just one of those things that everyone was just betting on. Nothing to do with Nothing to do with her. Well, no, I, th I think Dayon started the rumors themselves, and this was just a happy coincidence that people ah. started betting on it. And, which, and but which, which brings us to the question, you know, why? And so, the, you know, I guess what was happening was they have decided that they were going to start making a transition. Yes, exactly. I think the only way to explain it is that it was a deeply personal transformation. And Dayon had been busy acquiring this big library. We know we have the whole catalog of the library. 
we know that a lot of the books in it were about women's rights and about women's issues. So Dayon was very interested in, you know, this sort of enlightenment era debate about what women could do and what women could be. And it seems that Dayon sort of basically thought that women were just morally and spiritually superior to men, which is like, maybe not wrong. Mm. But there are, after all, a ton of shit men in Dayon's life running, running the world and not yeah. doing a very good job of it. So for whatever reason, Dayon feels that has some personal transformation and begins to claim that they're a woman. And they invent this whole story about how they were born a girl, but then raised as a boy in order to secure an inheritance, which only half... She give an interview to like People Magazine or something? Like sit down with Diane Sawyer? She actually does have memoirs written about her, I think. Yeah, there's... Oh. there's. Uh, I don't think she writes her own thing, actually. She writes with this other guy, and, and it's telling that story. Because the big the The, big scoop, the Baba Wawa, Baba Walters. The, the Baba Wawa interview is that... Uh, Dayon is a woman who has been a successful diplomat and soldier, right? It's, right. it's kind of like a, a very fantastical 18th century story for um, that that the press loves. Yeah. So the French king is like kind what of thought the that actual fuck. Yeah, yeah thought yeah. that dude was a dude from that time when I almost fucked him in the, <laughs> at that party. Uh, so he's confused and he sends over this guy named Drouet to um, to ascertain what the anatomical deal is. And so Drouet, so Dayon plays Drouet like a fiddle. We have no idea how this happens, but Dayon is able to convince Drouet that she is anatomically female. Tits, pocket pussy and all. Right. So from that point on, the French government believes that Dayon is a woman. And, it's, it's, and Dayon is presenting as, as, and living as a female in London at this point. Well, this is where it's kind of weird because Dayon, yes, but they're also still wearing their military uniform. They, they refuse right. to dress as a woman. They don't want, so I guess we would call it like transmasculine today right, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like they still want to present in this kind of like man about town way, but she says she's a woman. Fascinating. So, so she, she accomplishes this this you know, very public gender transition yeah. and convinces all these people. I mean, it's interesting. There's a story of another transgender or what we think is a transgender sex worker in New York in the early 1800s. And we know from the legal case that she was able to convince one of her Johns that she also had a vagina. I'm sure there was somebody molding some strange piece of like clip-on autonomy. <laughs> Probably like some like rough cow tongue yeah, or something just yeah. wrapped up. Let's not spend too much time Really? I think we it. could dig into this Really? More. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we know that it's possible. Like there's some kind of prosthetic innovation okay. going on in the vagina department at the time. So did this French diplomat try to like put a ring on it? No, Drouet goes back to France and is just like, yeah, yo, she's, a okay, woman. she's a woman. What's interesting for me, though, at this point is where's Dayon's family in all of this? Yeah. Like, Dayon's father has died at this point, so he can't say shit. But the mother is still alive. His sister is still alive, living in Burgundy. And they're completely silent. I mean, maybe it just didn't get back to them. As we know, this there was no internet in this century, as you famously pointed out earlier. But yeah, there's no sort of like public debate around it, which is interesting. And and they're asking a lot of the from the family at least uh, no of, of the populace because you're like basically they're saying I am a woman, 
But not only I'm a, I'm a woman that doesn't necessarily want to dress like a woman. I'm a woman, but I've earned my military uh, prowess. So I'm going to live as a woman, but I'm going to wear men's clothes. I mean, that is just a mind bend, I'm sure. It's interesting how she uses the military uniform as a kind of like desexualizer almost. You know, uh-huh. it's like she feels that she can be a woman or a man with the military uniform. Whereas at the time, obviously, there are very sort of strict societal rules about what men wear and what women wear. So it's kind of funny how the military uniform allows yeah. her to exist in in that weird non-binary yeah. you know, in yeah. between that she's asking the public to to understand. So as I said, you know, this is this had happened before. People had stories of this. The Joan of Arcs, Hannah Snell, that mm. woman who fought in the Navy. The the, the transition is um, is is kind of happening the transi- spiritually, physically. Everything in London is starting to kind of like okay, yes, exactly. Um, and she's convinced the uh, the French diplomat that she is in fact a woman. Yes, and then something huge happens. Louis croaks back in France in 1774. So overnight, all of Deon's diplomatic leverage, you know, the incriminating letter and all that, kind of evaporates. And she sort of has to figure out now what to do. And the new king, Louis XVI, and his queen... Boring as fuck. Marie Antoinette have to figure out what to do with this spy soldier woman over in London who's kind Mm. of... Always, always seems to have a limelight on her and one that doesn't make the French monarchy look very good. Mm. Because I think there's also a side to this story where it's like the French were kind of like, the French government came off as duped, you know, mm. because Dayon had managed to convince everyone apparently. And that, play them like in several ways. Yes, yeah. so I think that's why Dayon was kind of a thorn in their side. And so they basically begin negotiations and say, okay, Dayon, if you're a woman, then you're allowed to come back to France but you have to live and dress exclusively as a French noblewoman, right? And with all of the constraints and sort of societal pressures that that comes with. So Dayon is like, fuck that, no. I still have all these documents. I'll publish them again, motherfuckers. And again, our queen just going, coming through with the blackmail. Yeah. We love it. We love to but see it. But the blackmail's it. getting a bit old at this point, though. Yeah. It? I mean, and it's also Scottish not. She needs a hit. She needs a hit like a fucking crackhead needs a hit. No, right? exactly. Exactly. It's not going to work this time. Yeah. Like it's the so Louis is dead, so her leverage is gone, and they the new king and queen send over a very famous playwright at the time, um, Beaumarchais. Beaumarchais, who wrote *The Marriage of Figaro*, *Barbara of Seville*. Your favorite My plays, favorite of plays. course. We, yeah, yeah. We have read them. Favorite karaoke song. Love them. Yeah. I, I love the beginning and the middle and the and end. Figure it figure it So Beaumarchais comes over and he's very foxy, but not in the like hot sense, in the cunning sense. Oh. And he is kind of Dayon's match in, in this negotiation game. So Beaumarchais does a great job for the king and queen. Dayon doesn't really come off that great. This whole period is known as the transaction and by the end of 1776 or something, Dayon has been officially allowed to come back to France okay. as long as they dress and live as a woman. So they finally set sail in 1777. They land in France. And from the get-go, remember, they're still dressed in this military uniform, so they still kind of look like a man. Mm. From the get-go, they start causing trouble. They go to this convent that's run by the king's sister. The king's sister tattles on Dayon for wearing the military uniform immediately. All the paparazzi are informing on Dayon in one way or another. So, you know, it's just like constant pressure to mm. live in this way that she doesn't want to Yeah, live. I mean, I can only imagine the kind of... I mean, can you imagine what they must have been going through? I mean, to transition so publicly in a period of history like this and, and then also just be 
since convents and like you know going back and forth to London and people laying beds. I mean, it's just it, the mind boggles. Yeah, no, it's a huge, it's a huge amount of pressure. And and then Dayon also tells us that there's this scene where they go back home and they get out of the carriage, and Dayon, Dayon's mother sees him, uh, sees her, and faints. And is and apparently at one point says, "I would rather see you dead than in your uniform." It's like okay, I think I, I think that. we know where he got the drama from. Yeah. So uh, this probably was a made up story, but Dayon's mother wants Dayon to live as a woman, wants wants her to be okay in society and sort of take up the skirts and you know this new role in life that they've that they've chosen for themselves. And then the town, actually, the town that they go home to in Burgundy st- sticks up for Dayon and is like, no. This bitch she's our fought girl. in the war. Yeah. She's our little local hero. And she's allowed to wear whatever fucking uniform she wants. So it's an interesting kind of like... Yeah, leave for, leaves the French, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Go for them. Little French village drama. Yeah. What I wouldn't give to be at the center of it. Yeah. <laughs> so Dayon... Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Dayon then is uh, tattled on again by some more informants. And Queen Marie Antoinette is like, okay, I have an idea. I'll gift her this gorgeous new wardrobe and she'll be forced to love it and she'll just wear it and be happy and everything will be perfect. Idiot. Because Dayon Typical Marianne. Typical idiotic Thinking everybody wants to be like... I, I, she, she just sucked. She's an idiot. So Dayon has to... Dayon now has to get fitted for all of these new dresses, yeah. right? And... It is actually extremely uncomfortable yeah, at times. I mean, can we time. talk about that for a second? Because, like, unless you're doing that from birth and you're like mentally and physically kind of prepared for this, is no small. Yeah, feat. and even then, it's gonna like crush your lungs and yeah, crack well, they were your like gaseous. I mean, they, their bodies yeah, mold you're, around. You're wearing a corset. I mean, I'm right literally now. wearing a corset right now. <laughs> I'm not pouring out of it either. No, you look fabulous. Thank you very much. So, um, but yes, there's the corset that like crushes your entire rib cage. Yeah. That the tits come popping out, and then there's this big um, whalebone like scaffolding, literally made from the bones of a whale mm. that. Uh, you have to wear around to, to make the skirts all flowy and go out really far. Lots of undergarments, lots of ruffs coming out of every crevice. It sounds like my my, my dream. Your country. absolute wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's Dayon's nightmare. So Dayon has this whole design fitting, you know, wet dream for you. Yeah. And they're crying the entire time because, and they even run into the bathroom and lock themselves in. And the dressmaker is like the premier fashion designer of the time and she's trying to understand her her name's Rose Bertin and she, you know like very uh, designing dresses for the queen like she's mm. at the top of her game and Dayon just doesn't give a shit about any of it you know he's like mm. I, she's like I don't want to wear any of this locks herself in the bathroom there's actually an amazing quote where she says um, my body is like my mind it cannot be content with being embroidered in lace I love that my body is like my mind Cannot be content with being embroidered in lace. Your body could be content with being embroidered I, in lace. Yeah, once in a while. Now, I mean, <laughs> not on a daily basis, but yeah, totally. You well, know? I know. And that's the thing is, like, I do sympathize. Like, she says it takes four hours to do the, the they call it a toilette in, for women toilet, yeah. in, the, in the morning when they get dressed. It takes four hours. Interrupted you during your toilette this morning. <laughs> <laughs> That was, you that was different. That was purely sexual. <laughs> so Rose, this fabulous fashion designer, all of her work is basically going to waste on Dayon, who doesn't care uh, 
who doesn't give a fig for it. But Dayon has to wear all of these dresses. Dayon has to go present herself to the king and queen at Versailles in November 1777, the scene that you read, us, up in, yeah. read us earlier. Everyone is ogling for, uh, is, try, is vying for a chance to ogle her. <laughs> because they've all been reading about this figure yeah. for so long. And, and so- also, can we just talk about for one second as well? I'm, I really am, just to bring it back, you know, it's, you know, it's not to be underestimated the, the sh- what's about to happen on the world stage with the French Revolution and 1777, so it's a year after the uh, American War of Independence, which is really the dawn of enlightenment, democracy, the powers and strengths of the individual, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And there is Dayan, literally like riding this wave with the very crest, like yeah, it's unapologetically very, it's asking very, for recognition from, from the, upper, the most upper echelons of, of the European states. It's very much like individual rights like yeah. versus the state. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's very, that's, that's the whole point of a lot of this enlightenment philosophy is to proclaim the, the, the sanctity of those individual rights. Like that a, is, and then coupled with all of the, all of the achievements and, and kind of accolades and, and the full life, I mean, that is... I mean, that's trans excellence right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, and I think that's why the, the trans issue kind of intersects for all of us, right? Yeah. It, it, even today, like all of these issues about bathroom use or sports or whatever all come down to, you know, a, a personal right to decide what you want to do with your life. In the yeah, world. yeah. So many amazing metaphors with, with her. It's, like the, it's just the, the word trans is just, it's true for her, but it's also just true for humanity at the time. Yeah. Like shaking off. Shaking <laughs> everyone off. is trans. Everyone is transitioning. <laughs> um, so go no, that's ahead. true. Everyone is transitioning at the time. Yeah. It's a, it's a big ideological trans- transition. Yeah. So everyone is dying to get a view of Dayan at this big court presentation where she walks in in this gorgeous blue silk dress and crying sobbing yeah and and she's and she meets marie antoinette and is like this is so hard i hate it blah 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 and marie antoinette is like i just gave you all these dresses shut up and so it ends up being you know they have like their little their little uh rapprochement photo up in the in the throne room they all sits on the queen's lap like santa (laughs) you know they get their they get their photo and um and actually there were a lot of photos of dayon in the press at the time there are all of these engravings all of these like diagrams almost trying to understand her kind of multi-gender existence you know there there's one where she's uh split oh, right yeah. down the middle yeah. and on one half she's wearing all women's clothes and on the other half she's wearing all men's clothes so everybody gives a shit about this as a result dayon is even though she's unhappy mm. she's a fucking celebrity like she's mm. going around she i mean had, how unhappy could she be when she's that yeah know, i mean that much of a she loved the limelight she <laughs> wanted to she wanted to be relevant and is this the time where that por- the, the the portrait is made of her the very famous portrait that's at the national portrait museum in in london that that's a bit later in the 1790s she's she's a bit okay older. so we'll talk about that later because it's such a great photo yeah no but at this time she's basically presenting as a woman but she's so angry that she has to present as a woman that she is apparently very gruff, like doesn't, you know, shave her arms or anything like that. Like <laughs> just doesn't allow anyone to believe that she is a full woman. Like, yeah. so it's kind of her fuck you to Louis and Marie Antoinette, I think, to be like, okay, you can put me in these laces, but I'm still going to 
fart and drink as much as I want. Yeah. Um, so she really acts like a soldier, you know? And she's going to all these fabulous dinner parties. One of them is with uh, Ben Franklin in the in the 17, late 1770s when he's over there trying to right. drum up support yeah. for the French Revolution. And Dayon is in full support of the American Revolution. So of course. She, yeah. So she actually gives him some British intel and proclaims her support and all so that. So are you telling me that the Americans won the War of Independence because a trans spy <laughs> gave exactly. Ben Franklin the information Transgender that women sealed the deal. founded the United States of America. There you you heard it ladies. here on this podcast. Historical homos coming at you. Um, George Washington, great tits. <laughs> you imagine George Washington if they, if they all had a gun. George Washington would be like, what? Uh, yeah, no, no, Ben Franklin was a good sport. Ben Franklin, well, Ben Franklin was a real bon vivant knocking around Paris at the time. I mean, doing the good work. I mean, raising the money, but having a good time. Yeah, he was taking doing. his sweet time. Yeah. Boning all of those syphilitic Parisian whores, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, and there's actually rumors that Dayon and Ben Franklin are an item after this. It's like wherever Dayon well, goes, people start pretending that. That's because they're trying to sexualize Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it's there's there's yeah. massage. To yeah. it, I think. So Dayon is having this fabulous time, support for the American Revolution. Eventually, though, she keeps getting into trouble because she keeps going out in her military uniform. And so Louis is Wasted, like... Wasted, just wandering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With Ben Franklin. A, a prosthetic vagina <laughs> hanging out. Walking around the whole ball shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> Uh, I bet Dion would have been so fun to party with. She probably would have been a big Rihanna fan too. Just, <laughs> just champagne, meth, dinner parties with Chronic. Ben Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Dion loved hip hop. So Dion actually starts this big campaign to go fight in the American Revolution. That's the other thing that really pisses Louis off. She starts writing all these letters to all the army wives, all the wives of all the nobles who run the army. And she's like, hey, help me. I was in the military. There's no reason that I shouldn't be allowed to go fight, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. But everybody basically thinks it's a big joke. And Louis, after a while, is like, okay, your letter writing campaign and you're wearing a man's military uniform, I'm sending you to jail. That's how life wow. used to work, everyone. He just got sick. He was walking in his garden. There, somebody, Some little peon came up and be like, yo, down now is writing letters to all the military wives. And he's like, what? Okay, jail. Shut up, bitch in jail. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, and it's not really jail. It's sort of like a castle. It's white collar crime. It, well, yeah, it's like a castle that Dayon can't leave. It's like Crimea fucking river. Right. But let Dayon, me guess, she has the burgundy from the gang. Yeah, <laughs> she has plenty of wine. <laughs> to has, bribe everyone. Has nice clothes. Has a fire. It's like it actually sounds like a great holiday. So it's Dayon, time out more than a, more than a jail. A timeout, exactly. Time out. And after 19 days, again, not hard. Dayon is released but has also started another letter writing campaign where she she's like, herself. I'm the new Joan of Arc. They're trying to kill me, blah, blah, blah. And Louis is like, shut up and go home. So Dayon goes home to live with her mother and her sister and has a couple quiet years. And then in the 1780s learns that people are trying to sell her house back in London and all of her precious no books, the fucking books, which is devastating. At three, down and out in London. Oh, is this bit about me? Dayon gets over there. Uh, and basically sets up shop in England and doesn't go home for the rest of her life. The next big thing that happens is the French Revolution in 1789. 
which of course Dayan is all for because she's this big, you know, enlightened well, her array, intellectual. Array, like waking up in the morning is an act of revolution. So yes, no, exactly. Know? She is. She's a revolution. I've always thought that so just about like you know trans people in general walking out the door is an act of revolution. It's just an act of bravery. It's transgressive. Yeah. yeah. And Dayan is kind of able to live more freely. I think in London, in in a way, Dayan can. Is, a, is still presenting as a woman, but doesn't have to deal with all this annoying French bullshit. Because remember, the English at this point have a constitutional market monarchy. They're not like, they don't live in the same kind of strict- Absolute monarchy. Absolutist yeah, yeah. environment. So- It's, it's King, mad King George, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and time. the Prince Regent and all that kind of malarkey that was going on at the time. Yeah, so, so Dayan actually support because she supports the French Revolution, she writes a letter to the revolutionary government when, they're, when they go to war with Austria. And she's like, hey, I'm, again, hey, I'm really good at going to war. Let me do it. I, I've already done it. And some of the people in the revolutionary parliament are like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And there are women fighting in the revolution at this point, so they think that Dayon could lead them maybe, but it all goes to shit because Dayon can't afford to get back at this point. She literally can't afford to cross the channel. Well, because after the revolution, her cushy little annual pension runs out, which uh. was never really paid on time anyway, so she hasn't really been saving a lot of money <laughs> and doesn't have anything to live on. She broke. She broke, which is what starts her next phase in London after she can't get back for after she can't make it in time for the French Revolution she starts the equivalent of an 18th century OnlyFans and begins performing in drag on stage sword fighting stop fabulous oh absolutely my God. chic so and she's in these like dowdy old you know middle-aged woman dresses like black and late we have all these engravings that kind of show her fencing with these big you know, famous swordsman, and she becomes the most famous swordswoman in, in the world, basically. Wow. So she, there's even one that is organized by the Prince of Wales. Like, she has lots of fabulous friends, you know, yeah. but for some reason they don't seem to really help her very meaningfully. So she gets injured in 1796, and she has to kind of wind down. I mean, she's in her 60s at this point. Which is something. way, which is already way above the, the average lifespan of the time. Especially yeah, for somebody that's just kind of lived the way they've lived. I mean, very sturdy stock. Yeah. You know? Maybe it's the no fucking. Maybe we should stop fucking. Maybe. Nah. Yeah. No. Nah. No. So Dayon uh, retires basically with this Navy widow named uh, Mrs. Cole. And they live together, you know, two, two cute old gals. In a, bless Mrs. Cole. In a, in a London apartment. Dayon sort of tries to write her memoirs, gets an advance, gets some money from that, but it's kind of a slow march to death yeah. and poverty. Um, so it doesn't... <laughs> Cheery stuff. It doesn't end beautifully for Dayon. And, but she lives until 1810, and she's still living as, presenting as a woman. She's very famous. Mary Wollstonecraft, who writes um, A Vindication of the Rights of Women, a, a sort of early feminist, she uses the Chevalier Dayon, as she's known at that point, the, the French, the female version of Chevalier. Yeah. She uses her as an example of what women can accomplish and what women can do. Like she's really spoken about a lot as this kind of uh, repre new representative for female accomplishments. But then, and she sees Napoleon, she hates Napoleon, all of that. And by 18 Oh, yeah. So what was her take on Napoleon, interestingly? She hated Napoleon? She thought he was a dick. That right, because that was like the right wing. That was like the, the right wing takeover of the French Revolution. Yeah, because it kind of like all the stuff with the French Revolution kind of fell, fell it, away. It falls apart. But um, eventually, she dies in eighteen ten, 
And she's 82 at that wow, point. Wow, I mean, that really blows my mind, especially around that time. I mean, like, what what, like, what like, she saw in her life. Yeah, I mean, pretty good century to wow, witness, 1728 yeah. to 1810. And, like, not just on the sidelines, you know, in the room where it happened. Was, Absolutely. Was, she wrote well. that song. She, wrote she actually wrote, wrote Hamilton. <laughs> That's why we have that. <laughs> Lin-Manuel should do, like, a, 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 a listening Lin-Manuel. Oh, my God, we should talk to Lin-Manuel about the Hamilton like version stage. of Chevalier. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Producers? French, well, French hip-hop. You know that French hip-hop? It's yeah. so <laughs> super chic. That famous 18th century French hip-hop. Actually, that sounds dope. Yeah. So she dies. Mrs. Cole does the friendly thing and washes her body and tries to prepare her for burial and then discovers that there's <gasps> a surprise under yeah. the skirts. And so she calls in a team of gentlemen, because only gentlemen can figure this issue out. And there's a lawyer. There's a journalist. There's a professor of anatomy there's like doctors and they all come in and they confirm that Dayon is anatomically male so it's this really invasive like post-mortem and the worst part about it is the journalist gets someone to draw Dayon's genitals and then that's released to the press and that gets you know carbon copied and broadcast all over the the French and British Press, media. So even in death, the indignities continue. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. It's a sad end. And also it kind of, I mean, it has this big effect where everyone's sort of like, wait, so she's not a woman? So she's not this, you know, impressive female figure capable of all this stuff? Like, mm. I think people, I think women, many prominent women especially are disappointed by it, you know? Mm. And it also has the effect of kind of turning making Dayon into a bit of a circus freak that people don't understand at the time, right? So Dayon kind of gets forgotten for a while. And somebody eventually writes a biography of him in the, uh, of her in the 19th century. And then a, a British sexologist, a, a psychologist of, of sex in the early 20th century, Havelock Ellis, starts writing about gender dysphoria. And basically, I mean, he has a really interesting way of putting it. He says, the inversion here is in the affective and emotional sphere. And in this large sphere, the minor symptom of cross-dressing is insignificant. Wow. That's really kind of like nails it. Yeah, it's, it's basically like, no, you guys, like, it's not about the outward stuff. It's not yeah. about the behaviors. Like, th- those are just accidentals. It's actually about an interior emotional, you know, transition or whatever, change. So, yeah, it's, and, and he uses Dayon's name for that. He calls it Aeonism. Aeonism. And, uh, and so that's kind of a nice, you know, tribute. Yeah. And, you know, um, knowing what we know now and, and looking back from our, um, you know, from our from 2023 it is she is an example of what of what women can achieve and you know the the perseverance of 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 the spirit of the human spirit no totally and i think we have to remember her as a as a transgender woman because that's how she wanted to be recognized yeah you know and i think the other thing it always makes me think is you know like again how trans issues impact everyone but like specifically gay people because we have to deal with that all the time as gay men of of being pigeonholed into like sure not being allowed to be too girly like even my own mother is like are you sure you want to wear that sometimes you know well, it's I like was a dedicated transvestite until the age oh, of six. So was I. Until I realized that it was, you know, when I was going out into the street and all everyone else was like, uh, I wouldn't really do that about you. <laughs> King, in, in King Louis was the, like, would you like to bone? <laughs> Eight-year-old um, And I often wonder, you know, like, I mean, that's why you see a lot of, like, you know, younger people at, uh, now that just are afforded so much more kind of, like, you know, 
um, rights and privileges by their parents. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And it's, I, I mean, the, the other interesting thing about Dayan is that I think people sort of wonder whether we can really call her transgender, you know, or whether she's mm. like, you know, some other special case. And I just think that's fucking bullshit. It's like clearly would, yeah. she made a decision for 33 years of her life to do this. But it also reminds me a little bit of like people back in the, you know, like when we talk about people from this particular era as well, and they're like, oh, were they really gay? I mean, yeah. You know, it's like that whole thing, like, but it was a different time. It's like, no, listen, if you're sucking dick, you're fucking gay. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just ask our German producer. <laughs> <laughs> Alzheimer. <laughs> Mr. Alzheimer. <laughs> That's his drag name. That's a joke that none of you will understand. <laughs> so what did you learn today? Well, I think that um, this um, Havslock Ellis really sums it all up, isn't it? Can you read it for Havelock us? Havelock Ellis. Havelock Ellis. I really do kind think... a crazy name. Yeah. Havelock. Yeah, that name has disappeared into the annals of history. But I would like... I, I genuinely think... I mean, I couldn't put it better myself. And it really actually encompasses everything that I feel like I have learned and what people should take away from, from this episode. But can you, mm-hmm. can you read it again? Because you did such a good okay. job. The inversion here is in the affective and emotional sphere. And in this large sphere, the minor symptom of cross-dressing is insignificant. Right there, ladies and gentlemen. Can we send that to the... Um, the the chair of the uh, let's of send the that GOP. To, no, let's send that to the Tennessee government that just outlawed <laughs> drag shows or whatever. Did you see that? Yes, it's ridiculous. I mean, right? Because that's really what's going on. That's the, but that's, you know what's going to really change the, it all? This episode. Yeah, we're literally going to change <laughs> the world. Well, on that note. Um, that has been our wonderful Chevalier Dion episode of Historical Homos. I'm Donald Brophy. And I'm Bash. Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow us at historical.homos on Instagram. You can also go on our website, historicalhomos.com, and follow us there. Please like, please subscribe, please share, please tell your friends, your family, your lovers. Leave a five-star review, unless you hate Donal, and then you can leave a four-star review. Well, that's highly unlikely, really, isn't it? Fan favorite. Okay. Thank you, guys. See you next time. 